programs and welcome to another episode of fan holes being in japan i'm justin and i'll be your host this evening and joining me tonight is one of my fellow fan holes uh, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself no one gets to sing songs unless my inbred cousin says it's okay this is derek derek wc <laughs> and on this episode we will be discussing the film super dimension fortress macross do you remember love also known in some circles as Clash of the Bionoids. This film was released July 7th, 1984. It is, of course, a condensed version of the television series. And I'm just going to do my usual thing of foregoing any kind of synopsis because I just don't feel like spending 10 minutes uh, telling you about the movie. If you're listening to this, I assume that you have some interest in Macross. So I just want to jump in and get to the discussion part of this. So I guess my first question for you, Derek, is do you remember the first time you watched this film or maybe the, a version of this film? I think it was because I had to go back and look at what episode it was, but it's actually Fanhole's episode 52 because that was when we were doing the whole Robotech kind of coverage. And I think after I watched like all that Macross stuff in the box set that was released that we all got from like Walmart or somewhere, I think after that, I started like looking into, you know, what other, you know, Hikaru or Rick Hunter stuff exists. And like that was how I sort of stumbled upon it and kind of went, oh, there's I said there was there was a movie version of this. And, it, you know, it's got all these, you know, new character designs and kind of, 
you know, high expensive animation and stuff. And that was probably when I first watched Do You Remember for the first time. So I, I, I think in the grand scheme of things, like I, I'm fairly new to Do You Remember. Hmm. I, I thought maybe you had watched like Clash of the Binoids, like when you were growing up, maybe. No, you know that that's what I was wondering because, like that, like I, I did, I did take a look at that, but I mean, it seemed like it was that kind of Malaysian type English dub stuff, where, where, you know, like the the kind of stuff that you'd get from like a headmaster's dub. Mm-hmm. So, like, I, I don't know that, I, like, I, I, I know I've seen bits and pieces of it, and I know I use some of those clips in that episode of Fan Holes, but like. I, I don't think I've sat through the whole thing. And I mean, are, are there major differences in Clash of the Bionoids from Do You Remember Love? See, it, it's hard for me to remember. Like, you know, I, I told you the story about how if I was sick and stayed home from school, I would usually get to watch like Transformers, the movie, and, you know, we'd like go to like a local uh, place that had it and we'd yeah, rent it. Yeah. Like, on the rare occasions that someone else had rented it, I'm pretty sure that I would often get Clash of the Bionoids. And I I think I found that version on YouTube. But it's weird. I, I think someone took, like, a really nice HD rip of Do You Remember Love? And they just put the dub into it. Because, like, the thing I watched on YouTube was, like, uncensored. Like, there was, like, the nudity mm. with Min May and some of the, like more violent death scenes you know like that guy gets his head chopped off and that one guy gets his head blown off like it, at the beginning of the movie in the space battle i was just like i i don't ever remember what, watching that as a kid but i Cause... i'm pretty sure i watched that version because some of the dub like i, I it just kind of like struck me as like kind of like a godzilla dub and i was like yeah this is this is kind of familiar yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, definitely like a Godzilla dub for sure. And then the 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 other thing I was noticing was like, there's apparently like a hundred fifteen minute version of this, and then I think the one I watched was the the super, I don't know, special whatever you know the the one that's basically like an hour and fifty five minutes or so. And then uh, when I was looking at Clash of the Bionoids, like at least the one I saw online. It was like like an hour and thirty five minutes. So I was like, oh, so uh, there there must be some you know, like kind of like what you're saying, like some of the violent aspects, or maybe you know some some brief nudity or something like that. There there must have been things that were slightly trimmed in Clash of the Bionoids for for those audiences if they were trying to sell it as like some kind of Robotech tie in or something like that. Like I kind of I kind of feel like my opinion of it still holds up in terms of what I thought of it, which is basically, it's kind of like what you said. This is a very, very condensed version of 50 or so episodes of Macross. I think it's fun to watch when you are super familiar or have just watched all 50 episodes of Macross, but I, I don't know that it works so well as a, as a standalone film. I don't know. Do you, it, do you disagree with that or, or no, what do that, you think about that? That, that makes total sense to me. I mean, I think this is a good film. I enjoy watching it. I've not seen it since that episode of Fan Hills you mentioned. Like, so it's, it's been several years. 
some of the uh, aspects being condensed kind of like makes it not that great. I guess the main difference is, you know, we, we can get into this in further detail if you want later on, but like, you, you know, you and I are maybe kind of infamous for our dislike of Min May from Macross, the series, and I kind of feel like she's actually likable in the film because most of that characterization from the series where you see she's kind of like self-centered and she's just kind of like toying with Hikaru like most of that's not in the film so I kind of I kind of like I kind of feel like there's two Min Mays there's like well see this is something I wanted to ask you about because I think you may know more about it than I do but I, I was trying to see how fandom reconciles the two different versions like like in my interpretation of it it's it's a lot like Endless Waltz in that the character designs are totally burned to the ground and then built from the ground up again. So they have these kind of familiar but yet vastly different character designs. But this is a compilation movie, essentially, without compilation. It's like it's like they spent a whole brand new budget on a compilation movie. So so it's like if Endless Waltz was a compilation movie of the Gundam Wing anime operations one through 50, it's not, but that's what do you remember love is. And I was trying to see like, well, how does, how does Macross fandom or how does Robotech fandom sort of reconcile these, these different versions of the same story. And, and, you know, there are people like quoting the, the creator and the directors and different things and how they interpreted it. And I, I think the gist was, you know, it, it's funny because it sounds like it changes at any given moment, but you know, it sounded like they'll take whatever quotes fit their particular narrative or agenda, which is usually to the effect of Macross. Do you remember love is a standalone thing? And the, it's like, you, you could either take that as the canon and move on from there to the other series or you can completely ignore that and just pay attention to Macross. But then the other thing I heard, which is what I wanted to ask you about, is apparently in some of the later series, like Macross 7, which I've never seen, they make reference to this as a film within the canon. Mm-hmm. Like like that that this is something that people get shown. Like, Do You Remember Love is not by all accounts a real thing that happened it's the the film version of the events of macross mm-hmm. for that universe and if that's the case like it makes what you're saying about minmay make a whole lot more sense cuz yeah. she's supposed to be a pop idol that everybody loves in that universe so of course they would try to you know clean up you know the 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 sort of selfishness and 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 kind of flightiness and 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 flakiness that is Lin Minmay. You know the, to to make her because I mean I I see what you're saying too because I I'd say for for the first like maybe hour and thirty minutes of this film like aside from the wacky producer character who's her cousin who's also like engaged to her or whatever, which you don't get that at all from this film, right? So so to to a lay person who's just coming to this film, all you see is some weird business record guy that 
happens to be along for the ride in a few scenes, and then he offers to kiss her at one point. But I mean, other than that, I mean, she it seems like Hikaru saves her life, and then because it's a compilation movie, this this fast-paced thing, it's like they're basically married by the first 10 minutes of the movie. <laughs> like like that little sequence where they go on the date and they go through all the hologram like clothes changes and everything. Like by the time she gets in that pseudo wedding dress and he's in that pseudo white tuxedo, I'm kind of like, oh, this is like Romeo and Juliet where they have their little phony ass wedding between themselves, you know, like like in the Franco Zeffirelli film. It's like that's that's what I thought of when I saw that scene. And so to me, I'm like, oh, well, even though it's so quick and it doesn't make any sense, it's like one of those things where you're like, oh, it's the the, the kind of wild abandon of youth that that propels their romance to new heights and levels within the first like 10 minutes of the movie, which is crazy. But you just kind of go with it. And it seems like this entire film is focused on the love triangle between Lisa Hayes Hikaru and Lin Minmay. And I guess for the most part, what you're saying is true because I, I, I never got the vibe like that she was actually trying to make him jealous at any point. Like there, there wasn't any of that excess extra stuff that happened during Macross where you wanted to pull your hair out. Like <laughs> yeah. the closest, the closest it comes to. And, and it's like, it's almost like you're like, if this is, a in-universe film that is, uh, for lack of a better term, whitewashing Lin Min May's, I guess, persona, you know, public persona. Like, the only thing they didn't whitewash is that that scene, like, right towards the very end where he basically brings her the song lyrics and then she has that moment of, well, why can't it just be you and me? Like, why can't everybody else die and just you and me? And... Hikaru basically slaps her across the face and goes, you selfish fucking twat. Like, no, like that's, that's not what this is about. Right. Like, like this is the, like other people have died for us, even though it's a compilation movie and it happened like in the blink of a fucking eye, like Roy Fokker, it's like 30 minutes into it. I'm dead. You know, like, like, and you're just like, so, so like, I, I, you know, unless you've seen Macross and, and, had you know your good 15 20 episodes with roy fokker or whatever it's like it's it's kind of funny to watch this because you you don't get too much of a sense of of him and they try to do their best to give you a sense of him but and of course what cracks me up is when his girl's like did he die a manly death and they're like yes he died a manly death at least in in my translation of the the subtitles like that's kind of how that scene went down where they come back and, and tell his poor girlfriend that roy fokker didn't survive or whatever but the relationship between Lin Minmay and and Hikaru seems pretty. It seems rushed and young and 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 naive and not well thought out. But it doesn't have that undertone of like y- you feel like Minmay's leading him on or something. Like you, you don't quite get that idea. You feel like she's pretty, e- even though she might be young and selfish to a degree and wants. Hikaru for herself towards the end there like you don't get the vibe that she's just doing it because she can't have him which is I think what my takeaway always was in the series like like she didn't care about him until she couldn't have him in the series you know and and in this I I don't know that that necessarily comes across and I, I think maybe it just doesn't come across because of 
how many things you can miss in the compressed version of of this story. I kind of felt sorry for her at the end of the film, and I was kind of thinking about this. And this this is the reason. I mean, listeners can't see this, but this is the reason my avatar is of her like kind of tapping her foot because the last thing we see. I mean, before the you know credit sequence where she's giving her concert, but the last thing we see is. She's standing on a stage alone in a spotlight. She's tapping her foot and she's going one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four. And I was kind of wondering about that. I was like, well, why did they end the film like that? That's kind of a weird way. And I started thinking about it and I started thinking about how she's portrayed in the film. And I kind of went back to those moments where she was like, you know, at the beginning of the film where she's with Hikaru and they're kind of living together for those three days and then you know at the end of the film she's kind of wanting to get back to that like her she's been telling him you know she she wants to get away from her fame like her life is crazy you know she's doing a tv show she's singing like even though that's what she wanted she just kind of wants to you know run away from that and be with Hikaru even if they're the last two people in, in the world or whatever like that's kind of her selfish wish and I kind of see, like, at the end of the movie where she's alone tapping her foot, she's kind of resigned to the fact that she's just saved the last remnant of humanity with a song, and she's realized that as crazy as her life was before all of that, it's about to get a lot crazier, and because she lost to Cairo, she's probably not going to find anyone as good as him to be with. And that's I think that's kind of why... The movie ends with her tapping her foot, kind of like preparing for like her next song, I guess, or or at least that's what I think. I don't know what your interpretation of that last scene is. No, I, I think that's as valid an interpretation as any. Like, uh, you know, I, I I don't know that I dwelled on it that much in this wing, but I mean, I, I I can see where you come to that conclusion because she's. It, it, I mean, to me, like, that just seems like it's part of a rehearsal, you know, like, but if you end on a rehearsal, then that that means kind of like what you're saying. If if her goal was to to retire from that life, but you end on a scene of her repetitiously preparing to resume that life, you know, then then, yeah, what what you're saying sounds like it's it's absolutely valid but i mean you know the 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 i i, I still I'm, I'm like trying to get back to this narrative of minmay is viewed in the public not only as a celebrity then after this but she's kind of a, a heroic figure too in this yeah. world um, and and so you you'd add that to you, you, you know how like i guess if you're doing a biopic on somebody like this is kind of the, the Minmay biopic in a way, right? Like where where they're like they're like, oh, look at what Minmay sacrificed. Like like she she lost her true love, but she still sang the song that saved humanity. Like that's that's the Larry pitch, right? Like and and it's like Larry, we're gonna we're gonna have the romances, Larry, and and <laughs> it's all gonna be about you know Lin Minmay and Hikaru and Larry, and then and then and then we're gonna have Hikaru and. Lisa and they have their little Fred Flintstone 
dinner table set when they go to the fucking <laughs> barren earth and shit and fall in love, Larry. And, you know, like that's that's kind of like what this entire film is about. And it's like all the 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 mech and, and Zentradi and every five minutes when they're talking about protoculture and making my head explode, like <laughs> all that is like is like just background noise to this love triangle i think you know and 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 i think in terms of in terms of the universe like if this is a biopic within that universe you're like oh well that kind of makes sense and 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 the fact that they would portray min may as you know not only a, a heroic figure but somebody who sacrificed a great deal to to give to the the rest of the world what she did you know so it's like you're like okay like i can kind of see that and i guess since since i'm not sure if my question was answered or not have you seen macross 7 what are they talking about when they they they, um they say that there's like in canon like like is there a specific episode you need to watch or is it like narration or how does that how how is this film addressed in macross 7 i don't i don't remember I, I've only seen about half of Macross 7. Okay. But if I remember correctly, it's just kind of, it's seen on like a screen in the background oh, okay. maybe. Like okay. I, I can't remember okay. exactly. But Minmay is usually referenced in every series, and it's usually with like respect and reverence. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, no, I mean, I, I get that because cause we've, we've watched enough of these that, and, and, and I, I, I kind of feel like, Japan in general, even outside of the canon universe, like for some reason seems to revere Binmei, even though I'm not quite sure why. You know, like um what I thought was interesting is that, like the songs My Boyfriend is a Pilot and Do You Remember Love, like they're still used in the series. Like uh, Ronka sang My Boyfriend is a Pilot near the beginning of Macross Frontier and yeah. then near the end of that series, the song Do You Remember Love, like, it's pretty important. Like, it kind of has the same impact that it had in this film when Min May sang it. And I was like, oh, that's really kind of neat. But it's kind of, I don't want to spoil anything about that series in case you or any listener wants to watch it, but it's kind of, it's kind of twisted in a way, and it's kind of interesting the way they twist it. And um, I think I mentioned this to you a while back, but, like, the singing voices of Valkyrie from Macross Delta, like they give live shows and I was watching some like footage of this and they often sing my boyfriend as a pilot and do mm-hmm. you remember love? And like yeah. there was, there was uh, one piece of footage where like they were singing, do you remember love? And like the, they were crying, like tears were streaming down their face and they were hugging each other. And I was just like, Oh my God, like what, what is going on with these girls? Like they were totally into this. And I was just kind of fascinated by that. I wonder if, cause I mean, in some sense, like I- I'm trying to find a Western parallel that doesn't seem trite, but also doesn't seem too nationalistic, I guess. Like, like it- it- it's-, it's strange to me because I think of things like, you know, it's something that, you know, conceivably could be nationalistic is, you know, the national anthem taps like for, for whatever country you're involved in. There's there's some song like that that evokes some sense of of duty and honor and could conceivably bring tears to your eyes because of 
the people involved and 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 what was sacrificed or you know what whatever the scenario is but then like there's also that weird stuff which i personally like to blow off and do it for the purposes of this show which is you know like the, the people that are you know rushing up on stage meeting michael jackson for the first time like crying their eyes out or something or you know what i mean like 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 there, there's it, it 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 seems like it's somewhere in between that like with lin min may because she's got that pop idol thing going on but then it seems like the, the the way this film ends and the way she's revered throughout the canon of the universe there's something else you know where where i can i can kind of rationalize it as you know that that she is uh, an, not only an important historical figure, but somebody who's revered and respected and, and, and so on and so forth. And and so I'm kind of like trying to wrap my head around, like, is there someone like that? Does, does anything even compare to that? And like, why, why would, why would you have that reaction? Like, why would you, why is singing this song that I get in the canon is supposed to be this like ancient song that, you know, has these effects on the attacking forces and everything. But I mean, what you're describing to me is just people who are, you know, singing VAs that go on tour and sing the song. And then they have this kind of, you know, emotional outpour because they're, they're singing the song. And I get, you know, like it's still music, like music can evoke emotion and can evoke an emotional outpour, but you're like, what is it about, like, like this is what you're commenting on like what is it about this one song that seems to stand the test of time i mean it could have easily been forgotten and it could have been some other song that they went with throughout all these other series or it could be there was no carryover between songs like maybe you know frontier and and delta and all these other shows like maybe they have all brand new songs but like what is it about that one song that they keep coming back to and why does it have as a visceral emotional impact as it does on people like that's kind of it's kind of interesting like are are we all you know the proto culture <laughs> like are we all the fucking zentradi like is there some weird you know reptile ape brain thingamabob in our heads that you know that that triggers that or i mean i you know i don't have any answers to these questions but it it is interesting because it does it does make you kind of dwell on stuff like that i'm like yak the culture yeah. <laughs> the only real world equivalent I can think of, and this is far off base, but it's the only thing that comes to my mind. It's like David Hasselhoff at the Berlin Wall singing while it falls. And that mm. that's not mm. that's not even in the realm of like Min Mays being so famous because I mean Hasselhoff is famous but he's not he's not like infamous for his Yeah, singing. but but in but in Germany he is. Yeah, that's true, yeah. You know, like, like, like he, he's always been big in Germany mm -hmm. and, and, and then the, the, like, because it's part of this historical event, like, I mean, that, that is better than anything I could have ever come up with, Justin. Mm -hmm. Like, that's, that to me, like that at least solidifies it. It's like, I might hate David Hasselhoff or I might think he's Knight Rider <laughs> or I might like make fun of him because he's drunk uh, eating pizza on a YouTube <laughs> video that his daughter taped or something like that. But you can't take away like I was singing as the Berlin Wall fell. Yeah. Like there's you, there's no way you can take that away from them, right? So 
So, so since we're already kind of talking about it, like, what do you think of the songs that Minmay sings? Like, do you have a favorite out of the songs in this film? I don't know. Like this this film, like I don't know. I I don't think the music, like it. I think the music only has the impact for me in theory. Like I understand in theory what it does in the context of the film, but I I don't know that I am those VAs like on the stage crying after they sang the song. Like, does that make any sense? Like, I I I don't know that the songs did really hit home with me or register with me, or if they did, I'm not, I don't know. Like, like I, I can't point to any one song that's like my favorite or that, I, that I thought, you maybe, know, that, that I, I, I kind of thought maybe you would like zero G love, which is the song that they're singing. Like, you know, when they're stranded together and like, they're like drinking the Coke and zero G with the straws. Mm-hmm. Like for, for some reason that was like, I bet Derek likes this song. That's why I like, I mean, I like, I like the scene, mm-hmm. but, but there, there's something about it. That's funny though, because especially in the context of this film, because you're, you're, you're like, wait, like it, it's like, I, I don't know how to explain it, but other than it's like, dude, you guys just met, like <laughs> you met like three minutes ago. Like, come well, on. Like, this is, is ridiculous there is something that kind of bugs me i mean it is kind of like a little nitpick i guess but like okay at the beginning of the film when min may's having her concert which is interrupted like she's singing my boyfriend as a pilot but like that doesn't make any sense because oh. in the series she wrote that song because she was dating hikaru who was a pilot right. but like at that point in the movie like she hasn't even met hikaru so i'm just like well where did that song spring from like in this film yeah so like that kind of like goes to like the theory that this is a film within the Macross universe. Yeah, because it's, yeah, it's like the, a big plot hole. I was like, wait, wait, what? <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, there, there's a. I don't know, like that, like that kind of stuff. Like it, it just kind of makes me scratch my head. Like because <laughs> there's, I mean, it's not it's not like proto culture scratch my head, but it's just kind of <laughs> like you know, it, it, it's it's kind of like. I get it, like like that. This has to happen, right? Like they they have to form a romantic relationship, like just like and 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 it's just like Lisa Hayes has to be there, and they have to sort of get stranded together and then come back and all that. You know, they they have to do that for the romantic triangle to happen. But it, it just seems like you know, it, I I feel like I'm a lot more forgiving of the narrative of the story if I pretend it's a film within the universe because it's like oh this is just this is just a screwy biopic that a bunch of people made and like everything that is kind of like an emotional plot hole i just chalked up to well it's just some movie you know like it's not it's not literally these characters it's kind of like a movie interpretation of these characters and and having said that like the visuals on this are out fucking standing Like, like they're like, it's like they spent so much money on, it's like, this is, this is like going back to my screwy Gundam analogy. It's like, this is a compilation movie that does not reuse recycled footage. This is a compilation movie that has brand new character designs like endless waltz, but it's got the freaking budget and, and score of Char's counterattack. Like, and, and it, it looks just as good as Charles. Like, it looks like it belongs in a, in a, in a goddamn movie theater. Yeah. Like, like it looks outstanding. And, and that's to me, like, that's the best part of this, 
you know, it's like I, I don't really care so much about it's like it's like one of those things where it's like, wait, they've only been together for three minutes. Like, why are they kissing each other? But then you're like just sitting there going, but man, that kiss looks fucking awesome. You know, like, man, the way like when they it's like when Lisa or, or Min May, like they they flick their hair or whatever and shit. And it's like the sparkles and all kinds of shit. And it's like all that stuff is fucking awesome. Like that, that I think is kind of like the highlight of watching this and why you'd want to watch it. It's like, yes, you know, poor Roy Fokker doesn't get like 14 or 15 episodes. Like he fucking gets killed in the first like 30 minutes of the movie. But when he blows up, man, it looks outstanding. You know, like th- those are the kind of things. And and the Zentradi kind of are to be feared and they look creepy and ominous when you see them on screen and, and all that kind of stuff. So, like, you know, that I, I think is is something that I could fully get behind without any question, you know, that that the that you can tell they spend a shit ton of money on this and that the animation is just gorgeous. You've kind of already mentioned something I wanted to ask you about, like one difference between the series and this film is the death of Roy. Like, do you, do you have like a preference? I know this is like kind of weird, but like, do you have a preference for how he dies? I think because this is the wacky new like movie version that we're describing it as, I probably prefer the the TV like death mm-hmm. just because. I guess because I, I, I think it holds more water. Like, this is not to take away from the death in the film, but I, I kind of feel like since everything's sort of crammed together, it's like he died over the kissing contest. or You know what I mean? Like, or not contest, but whatever that is. The, the display, like the, the, the kissing display where it's like, you, you don't know if the Zentradi are getting hot and bothered or if they're just outraged or what their deal is, but they're just like... Protoculture, oh, kisses, oh, you know, and then and then it's like after all that, it's like wait, so after all that, then he got blown up. It's like it's like he got blown up to escape the oh kisses like sequence, as opposed to he 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 got blown up because he was you know basically like saving his ship and pe- like you know, you know what what cracks me up is in in all of this. I mean, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but like in all of this film it seems like because i said all that other stuff is window dressing for the romantic love triangle i i was kind of thinking like they never really go into the whole like we found an alien ship and we retooled the technology and we made it ours like like that seemed to be a key element of both rotec and macross and in this it's almost like i mean it's almost like you don't meet it's like if this is from lin minmay's perspective it's like it's almost like you don't meet the crew of the macross until midway through the film and the whole premise of like the war and zentradi and all that other stuff is so kind of i don't know unacknowledged i guess like like or 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 i guess it's it's like like everything else. It's kind of like it takes a back seat to to this romantic triangle, like which which I think is kind of funny. But that's that's kind of the vibe I get from from this film and and how they don't really talk about like the actual plot of of Macross or Robotech. But when I saw uh, Star Trek Beyond in the theaters, like the sequence where they defeat the swarm with Beastie Boys, like totally reminded me of 
Macross and Robotech. Mm-hmm. Like, did you have that thought when you were watching the film? I, I think I think if if music defeats anything, yeah. I think I immediately think of Macross. I I think I think the thing that drove me crazy was because I I don't think I really knew the entire story of Robotech or Macross even way later in my life and. I probably mentioned this on that previous fan hole show, but like Macross Plus was something I just decided to, you know, like expand my anime horizons with. And that was my first real introduction to wackadoo music <laughs> shit, like killing bad guys. And I just went, I I don't know what this is about. I have no frame of reference for it. It just seems, it seems really wacky. It's like, wh- what are you trying to say? Like Britney Spears can end wars? Like that didn't didn't compute with me. And and I think you know I, at least in terms of of Macross, like at least the original, like if you have a frame of context for it, it's a little different. But yeah, I I just you know that that's always been something where if if something like that comes up. But I mean, I, I suppose I don't know. Do you think of do you think of Lin Min May when like Grant Morrison has like Superman like you know freaking whistle to. Uh, <laughs> save the final crisis or whatever the fuck like i don't know i i mean maybe sort of kind of i don't know I actually never thought of it that way but that that is kind of like interesting <laughs> that that sounds like a jerry seinfeld argument where you know like where jerry seinfeld was like arguing superman has a super sense of humor and george was like oh no so like now i'm kind of like i wonder if superman has like a super singing ability <laughs> Yeah, if Superman was super singing like in front of the Zentradi, <laughs> and I'll be like, "Whoa, super proto culture!" <laughs> yeah. And then your head would really fucking yeah. hurt. Like when they started talking about super proto culture. But yeah, the last thing I'll mention for our listeners is if you want to know more about the whole like Macross Robotech thing and the legal battles that ensue, like I would suggest going to YouTube and checking out the. Toy Galaxy videos about that because they're they're very informative and they're very well put together and as of this recording I think there's three of them and I know the fourth one is coming soon but I guess that wraps it up for this episode of Fan Holes Big in Japan and Derek if you would be so kind as to inform our listeners where they can find us on the interweb Yes, of course. If you have any comments, questions, and or concerns, if you want to sing to us and and make us evaporate (laughs) or talk about protoculture, you can uh, email us at fanholespodcast at gmail.com. The entire backlog of our episodes are over on the fanholespodcast.blogspot.com. We can be streamed on stitcher radio and we are on itunes and we appreciate all the feedback that we receive there and we of course are on all kinds of social media tumblr twitter instagram facebook etc and we appreciate all the likes shares hearts retweets and all that good stuff and this is justin signing off yak de culture
like, why does anyone have to listen to the podcast? Like, why can't it just be us two talking? And then I smack Minmay. <laughs> Roy Fokker died for this podcast, Minmay. We, we didn't even bring up your, uh, you know, Minmay directing Hikaru away from the motel. <laughs> yes, yes. Like, no, Mr. That was that... I'm like I'm like that was the whole point of the date. Like <laughs> that was that was the climax of the date and she she just moves him away from it. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Like he's like, "Hey, I I, I it's like I, I saved your life and I bought you like dinner and everything. So now it's time to get it on in the motel." And she's like, "No, no, no." She gives him that look like, "I'm not going to do this on the first date." <laughs> I don't think so. Yeah. Mister well, remember, this is like the in-universe movie, so, you know. Right, They right. had to, like, you know, keep the keep her image nice and clean, I guess. <laughs> nice and clean image, right? She's not going to give it up after, like, uh, dinner and a movie? Okay. <laughs> well, that that's why they excised out all the cousin bullshit, too. Got to get rid of that. Look at his foot. <laughs> I thought it was funny how they had that little doll of her. Like in the background, she's like, "That's a doll of me." Yes, I remember when I went to uh, WonderCon and they had the figure of you in that outfit as well. Yeah, that's good. 